Welcome everyone to another episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. This was again against Everton just a few hours ago uh, in the house tonight. I have got number one, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Good, good. Enjoyed myself this afternoon, obviously at the match, and uh, but you know, smiling through the tears from the other news across. <laughs> from across. <laughs> and we've also got Bernard in the house. Bernard, how are you? Hi, yeah, a bit, a bit chilly there today. I had, to, I had to get wrapped up, guys, today. It was a bit chilly. It was a bit of a change from a uh, nice blue sky, but uh, and there's a plane flying over as well. I don't know what all that was about. It's nothing to do with Ollie or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm just warming up now, to be honest with you. Yes, a uh, great disappointment for you guys, or a great boon for, for others. I don't know, but uh, we haven't got Ray on tonight. He's taking his son for a haircut, and he's out in the street. And uh, we had to get rid of Ray because it would have just... Uh, impeded the audio quality and you know we're not going to do that not for him um anyway so uh, here we go guys and um, let's take a look at the lineup and now the lineup was fairly predictable i thought because obviously uh, kdb was uh, out with covid and so obviously gunduan gunduan steps in diaz is being saved for the game against PS- psg obviously uh, laporte gets in but however colin savage it was it looked like an experimental front three didn't it yeah, um, it, it was a bit surprising. Obviously, um, Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, Rodri uh, and the back four were, were no surprises. But Sterling gets a, got a start on the right-hand side, so was playing as a true winger, not an inverted winger on the left. Phil Foden was no surprise, but then Cole Palmer playing the his turn to play the false nine this week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, what uh, what did you think about that front three, uh, Bernard? Well, it was a bit. I've I said. I think I said on on Twitter before the game. It's a bit of a chance. A bit of a chancy strike for us. You know, we needed Sterling to at least get some of his uh, of his skill back uh, because I thought. I mean, I thought he'd sort of hung Paul poor uh, Palmer out to dry a little bit, to be honest. You're asking him to play that role against Everton. I thought it was a bit of a harsh decision, in my, in my opinion. I mean, he did okay, don't get me wrong, but uh, I thought, obviously, with the Foden, he wasn't perhaps fully fit as well. It, I, I must admit, uh, I was just a wee bit worried uh, with that front line that we could uh, break down Everton, but unfortunately, uh, Everton weren't quite the team I was expecting, to be honest with you. Yeah, obviously, they had, uh, I think, about at least four players, four of their uh, normal starters out and of course then they lost Damare Gray um, to injury as well um, but um, you, you kind of like um, I, I certainly thought that first half obviously we only went in 1-0 up um, but um, they were kind of dogged they weren't much of a threat really Everton um, a lot of the newspapers calling it a routine win for City let's get into it I'd like to talk first of all about Cancelo now he is He's on fire, and uh, let's talk about Colin that uh, that pass for for the for the first goal. Well, before before we talk about that, I actually hadn't been particularly impressed by Cancelo up to then because mm. I thought he'd made a few poor decisions in terms of we know what he can do, of course, and we we saw later on what he can do. But I thought he'd make it he uh, made a few poor decisions uh, earlier on in the game. Um, he, he picked the wrong ball. He uh, he wasn't crossing the ball. Uh, fast enough but then of course um i mean the game started off fast and furious the first two or three minutes were were both teams having to go at each other thought well this is going to be some game but it, it then settled down but we, we we kind of struggled to break everton down a little bit uh, uh, cole palmer certainly played a couple of brilliant balls in that we didn't make the most of there was an incident where um phil foden who i didn't think had the best game um for, by his standards uh, he was clear. You could see. Uh, I was right in line with it. You could see Sterling was ahead of the defence, and all he had to do was put the ball across. But he hesitated a second too long. Didn't place his pass very well. So yeah, you think it. Oh, you know, is this going to be another Southampton, another Crystal Palace? Um, and then Cancelo. Oh wow, that pass. Uh, you know, a real. Um, I, I don't know what you. Uh, you know, it's a, a Glenn Hoddle type pass outside of his right foot. Sterling timed his run absolutely perfectly. Uh, was a was about a yard on side when the ball was hit. The ball fell at his feet. He didn't need to think, which is always Sterling's weak point. Uh, and he just caught the ball really sweetly, side footed it into the net. It was an absolute picture of a goal. Uh, yeah. And it was the perfect time, of course, because you know um, the, the danger of going in nil nil at half time is that it's more of the same uh, in the second half from an Everton point of view. But um, I think we'd had 80% possession in that first half. They'd just been 
absolutely content to sit back, uh, try and frustrate us in the same way that Crystal Palace did, but they weren't as active, they weren't as assertive, they weren't as aggressive as Crystal Palace had been. Uh, we had chances, but we didn't, I say, Cancelo and Foden, I thought, were, um, yeah, poor is not the wrong word, but they weren't quite up to speed in that first, that's 40 minutes in exploiting the room they were getting on the left-hand side. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was great to go in. And, of course, there's a penalty incident or non-incident or whatever. And uh, I say, I only I, I saw it in real time. In, and, and we thought that the only uh, problem, that the only decision was, was it inside or outside the box? But I, I actually saw um, someone show me on the phone a TV replay. Uh, and one of the, I think Bernardo Silva was blocking the camera view, but it didn't look like there was a great deal of contact. And certainly that's what the... Um, VAR official seemed to be suggesting to uh, Stuart Atwell, who's not not you know not the best known as the best uh, referee, uh, and so when it was we didn't even get a free kick, uh, it was quite clear that he didn't think it was a foul at all. So, uh, but yeah, so it, all in all, I mean, going in one nil, I think was the, the least we deserve. We have we had other chances in that first half, other opportunities didn't take them, but uh, yeah, it was a deserved. Uh, it was a brilliant goal. Sterling was, uh, you know, who has been much criticism of recently, took it beautifully. It was a beautiful pass. Uh, and um, I, I, I actually thought Sterling had a good first half. He'd taken his, he played as a winger, he'd taken his man on, he'd created space two or three times and uh, he was looking dangerous. Well, let's, uh, let's bring in uh, Bernard on, on both those issues. Um, the 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 Cancelo first of all the Cancelo and the Sterling interaction for that particular goal. I I, I did have to admit I laughed when someone uh, said on Twitter that um, we've got KDB playing as a left back. Um, <laughs> because what I was actually talking about was not so much um, uh, uh, Cancelo's performance up to his assist, but actually over the last sort of five or six games he has been on fire. Uh, that that was my. My meaning, and uh, yeah, so that beautiful, beautiful pass, and then um, uh, Sterling, um, lovely half volley that David Gower would have been proud of. Uh, Bernard, uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, we were we're right. I'm in the south stand, so I was right behind it, and it was just as I think as uh, Colin was saying, they didn't get much chance to think about it, and that's that's where we want Sterling. We don't want him thinking about it. He, obviously, we might talk about one in the second half where he had far too long to think about it and should have scored and didn't. But uh, this is what we want. And can, and again, with Colin said there, Cancelo wasn't playing particularly well, but I don't think anyone was playing particularly well at City. I thought Everton were that poor. I think we were getting dragged down to their standards most of that first half. And before that penalty incident, that's where we sort of became came alive a little bit because um, I think uh, Gundo wanted hit the bar with the header when he was trying to keep, uh, beat the defenders on the line uh, when he got a chance. Uh, Sterling had a chance where he headed it over, but I think he was just a little bit too high. I think it was forward and crossed it in from, from the left-hand side. I, I think he got right under it, but he, he, he cleared the bar with it. But uh, So it looked to me, I mean, it was, what, 44 minutes? I was thinking, oh, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be nil-nil. This uh, Pickford had been to the Aston Villa School of Goalkeeping wasting time. That, that He was just wasting time all half, which is what Villa keepers do all the time. So I think he's had a week there while uh, while other things have been going on. So at 44 minutes, I thought, oh, this is this is going to be nil nil. As Colin said, there it's going to be it's going to be a tricky second half, you know, to sort of start breaking them down again. But uh, it, it was a fa- the perfect time, the perfect time to score, and we thoroughly just thoroughly just about deserved it because Everton deserved absolutely nothing from that first half performance. They were. Very, very poor and didn't offer anything apart from the first couple of minutes where they had to go. And then they just they just sat back and tried to bore us to death, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, just um, have a few thoughts on the on the opening impressions that you got, uh, guys, starting with Colin here uh, of um, Palmer. Um, I actually um, I, <laughs> I got someone suggesting a title for this pod saying it should be called Ederson Ake and Palmer. <laughs> Ake, Ake being Ake. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm still tempted to give that as the title for this pod. But um, what uh, what if, what were your first impressions of, of him uh, in this in his first half, Colin? I thought he had a you know I thought he had a good first half. The danger in playing these youngsters from the start is they're not quite up to it. And I think we've seen this before. You know they'll have a good cameo ten minutes at the end when the opposition is tiring, but when they start. It's sometimes too big for them, but I, I thought Palmer had a, an excellent uh, first half. I, I thought he perhaps 
Well, it faded a little bit maybe in the second half, but of course he created the, the, the third goal, of course. And uh, But there were a couple of sublime passes over the top. I think I think he was the one who set Foden free uh, in, in about the 30th minute when we really should have scored. Uh, I say, and Foden didn't put the crossing well enough. Um, and there was another chip over the top, I think, for Gundogan. As I literally, I mean, Bernard Arkham top football on the match, so haven't seen any replays, but um, he, he looked a very assured presence. And as I say, he, he kind of he looked like um, he's not there yet. He's not finished article by any stretch of the imagination, but he looked like he belonged in that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was your take um, on on the youngster then, uh, Bernard? Yeah, because I think I think as I said, I thought I thought Pep sort of uh, took a little bit of a chance, but I think he would have told Palmer to play a certain way, and he did. It shouldn't worry about losing the ball because he does have a tendency to try and beat players, and by by trying to beat players, he does tend to obviously lose it occasionally. But playing that far up the field, it doesn't really matter, does it? We can sort of get it back very quickly. Obviously, if he was playing deeper, it might be more of a problem. So I think he was given the free reign by Pep to to do what he did, and as as Colin said there, he did a couple of great little passes. Um, he's quite a big lad. I wouldn't mind him perhaps getting getting him more in the box when Sterling was down that right and doing a couple of crosses in. I wouldn't mind seeing him you know, get his head to a couple, but that's obviously for a big lad, that's probably not his skill set, is it? But uh, no, I think he was happy. I think Pep played him, asked him to play a certain way. I don't think Pep would be disappointed in him. I don't think any of us are, even obviously it wasn't the greatest team performance, but I think he did what Pep wanted him to do and he's got potential, but it was just unusual for me. I just thought it was a strange, a strange game to play him in. I must have I would have, you know, I would have thought someone else would have played there with more experience. But hey, Pep, Pep's the guy, and he, he knows what he's doing. And as I say, he certainly didn't let us down uh, today. That's for sure. Yep, in in we go at halftime, uh, one nil up. Um, and uh, Colin, just uh, give us your impressions on how we started the second half, uh, right up until the moment where we had um, th- this rocket launch from um, from Rodri. <laughs> well, well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we. Uh, we, we've seen this before with opposition teams who, who uh, and get men behind the ball and try to uh, you know, restrict our opportunities and, and keep the score down. Uh, and you know, they'll, they'll go in 1-0 down and they'll come out and play the same way, still hoping to keep us down to one and um, you know get that breakaway or something, hope we make a mistake. Uh, and the, first, the second half started a bit like the, the first half with both teams having chances. Uh, and, and then it just settled down into uh, a repeat. The first time, Everton just sat back. Um, we took con- com- complete control of the game. And I said, I think their plan was just to hold, try and hold out, get that breakaway. But they weren't doing much to actually do- generate that. And, and then we had an attack, let's say, 10 minutes into the second half. The, the ball came out to uh, came out to Rod, was cleared. I can't remember who it was. Um, cleared it to, to Rodri, and he just... Let a thumper from oh I don't know it must be somewhere between twenty five and thirty yards because it was well outside the D which is twenty two yards so it must have been close to thirty yards and uh, from where I am in the kind of southeast corner yeah you, you could see the ball travelling you thought there's only one place that's going to end up uh, and sure enough you know Pickford couldn't get anywhere near it and uh, yeah we've seen Roger and Cancelo try those over the over the years haven't we and uh, they've never quite come over. Cancelo's had one or two, but it was it was um, Vincent Company's standard, wasn't it, really? Mm. Mm. Indeed. We'll, Indeed. We'll yeah, to, the, the, sorry, go ahead, Colin. I say we'll have to build him a statue now. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. It's a goal, isn't it, Bernard, that we don't see too much of these days? I mean, you would get the occasional one from Fernandinho like that. or, or yeah, But, um, you know, it's just it's it's kind of like a collector's item, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm expecting the shirts to be out next time. No, Rodri, no, or something like that. Shirts <laughs> to be out for the next game. Uh, I used to have a little thing, guys. You probably don't know it. A couple of years when Rodri first burst on the scene, I used to have uh, a little section in my uh, vlog to Rodri's Rockets. Uh, but I sort of give up after a while because he's just, they were just just pathetic. But I mean, I'm, I've lost my graphic now, so I can't even use it again. Yeah, for this uh, Rodri's Rockets, you know. So I'm a bit miffed about that. But, uh, uh, yeah, we don't we don't see them much these days. We don't seem to have. Uh, I mean, we're used to Walker having a goal from distance, aren't we? And Zinchenko has a goal, don't he? When he when he gets the odd game, but uh, no, he is capable of that. As I say, I wouldn't have started with Rodri's Rockets if he hadn't been, you know. So he must have done something early doors to give me that inspiration of, in the first place. But uh, 
No, I mean, at 1-0, it was, it was seem, we were seemingly comfortable at 1-0, but you never know, dear. But, I mean, it, that killed it for me. 55 minutes in, 2-0. Uh, Everton didn't didn't have a clue, basically. And we were never we were never going to draw or lose this one from that uh, wonderful, wonderful goal. And poor Pick, poor Pickford. He got, you know, it serves him right for wasting all that time in the first half. It's his own fault. So, no, great goal by Rodri. Yeah, indeed it was. Um, and... Uh... Uh, a, f- a few interesting things. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Ray isn't here because um, uh, well, the, the, I think what the first substitution was Mares, wasn't it? And I was thinking, oh, I'm not looking forward to this. Uh, he was on Twitter saying that the, a typical him. He was on Twitter and uh, we were two 0 up, but he said, "We, where do you see Mares will come on, score a couple of goals, put the icing on the cake, and take the credit for something that he doesn't deserve." And I was thinking, oh, here we go again. It's him down on Mares again. So I'm not looking forward to this. But um, Mares uh, wasn't really, you know, wasn't really heading that direction. But um, let's talk about uh, the period between there and, uh, and and the third. And it was fairly uneventful, Colin. But I'm sure you picked a few things out um, that were of note. Or or did you? <laughs> what, after the second goal? Yeah, uh, after the second before the third. Yeah, that, that gap. Well, it was just... I remember there was one point where, I can't remember, it was Rodri or Bernardo, they were stood there with the ball and no Everton player actually approached them. I think Richarlison was was um, was close to him and, and just looked at him. And um, it was like, you know, and we said this at the game, that if the two managers could have put their heads together with the referee and said, come on, let's call it quits. I think um, that, that was the impression that Everton gave, that they were quite happy to settle for 2-0. And, and and make the best of a bad job having having had Watford mind you Watford probably a better team than we think they are um, having had Watford put five past them at home settling for two at the Etihad was probably um, w- was probably theirs um, there, was, there was another couple of penalty shouts uh, one of which I'm told was uh, a decent shout one of which wasn't um, um, but it was we talked about Mahrez. One of the things that pressed me about Mahrez was he was chasing, he was harrying. There were two or three occasions where he won the ball back uh, by his persistence, and, and that was quite uh, quite impressive. But uh, it just a stroll, wasn't it? We just slowed the pace down. Everton were quite, I say, Everton seemed quite happy to settle for the two goal deficit. And uh, I, I think, like I say, if, if they could have arranged an early finish, they would have done. The fans went. The fans started to drift off. Um, you know, and certainly after the third goal, the away end emptied quicker than Old Trafford did after the six-one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, when we put sorry. five past the ball, at least they stayed till the fourth goal. But then they all went. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bernard. I suppose one thing that did happen in that sort of um, snoozy period was um, we got to see the other side of Raheem Sterling, didn't we? Because um, I think it was Mares put um, Sterling. Um, through wasn't that right? I think it was about the 77th minute. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where he thought about it again, didn't he? He should have just hit it first time, but he tried to be clever. I think it's quite difficult to see from where I was. I assumed he tried to take it round the keeper. I've not had time to watch yeah, it back. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, it was just yeah, that was just typical Sterling, wasn't it? He und- if he hadn't done that, you know, you would have said, oh, he's, he's sort of back on form now. But then he, he does something like that, which just put you through, put put your foot through it, mate. I mean, it was you know. I say Everton was so lethargic. I mean, the Everton fans, I mean, we weren't lively, but I mean, you've got to bounce off some as fans. You've you sort of got to get each other going. And the Everton fans, I think I think they sung that Everton dirge that they sing just before kickoff. And it was an awful, absolutely awful atmosphere. I mean, we, we, you know, obviously City fans in the South Stand side, the City fans in the top tier did very well. Actually, heard them a couple of times very lively today. The old shouts for Sergio were quite loud and stuff like that. But oh, yeah, I think it was... Sorry, there are a couple of um, yeah, a couple of songs now that come to mind, referring <laughs> to um, our neighbours in in Stratford, um, yeah. Carrots at the Wheel, and Ollie's on the Dole. Yeah, that's it. But it was it was painful. It was painful for the teams. It was painful to us. Colin said he could have he could have took us off after sixty minutes and called it a day. We could have all gone to Mary D's or the bars at the back and had a few drinks, you know. But, uh, <laughs> 
it, it was just it was it was it was horrible. It was horrible by Everton. I mean, if Ollie's lost his, lost his players, I don't know what Benitez is going to use as an excuse for this today because I mean they didn't even look as though they wanted to play at all. And you know, so that says a lot about Benitez at the moment. What what sort of a mess is he going to be in and Everton are going to be in? Because I say that until that last goal, which we'll talk about in a second, it, it was just it was, it was just playing around. It wasn't it wasn't an Old Trafford sort of playing around either. It was just just so lethargic and we just saved energy. City didn't have to do anything. We just saved the energy. We didn't have to do anything. We just sort of played it around and if we got a chance, we got a chance. If we, if we didn't, we didn't. It was no big deal. It, it was a weird, a weird game. Yeah, well, we did actually get a third, didn't we, Colin? Because it was a young... Um, was it was it McAtee who'd taken a shot? It was blocked and it fell nicely for Gundogan? Or was it uh, Cole Palmer? I can't remember. It was Palmer. It was Palmer, it, I think. Palmer had the run through the shot blocked and it fell kindly for Bernardo who slotted it home. So... I think 3-0 was a pretty fair reflection of the actual, well, a reasonably fair re- uh, reflection of our actual dominance on the day. Um, yeah, um, I, and I think we'd, we'd been a bit lax in the first half. You know, we could have had, we could have potentially have gone in two or three up. Uh, there was an incident where the, the ball came through and Bernardo seemed to be taken by surprise and stopped running when he could have... Um, Stuck out a leg potentially, and I say um, Sterling's header. There was a, a Gundogan header that that went onto the bar, and you know, it, it, if we'd got five, it wouldn't have been uh, unfair on Everton. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it's what we needed after the Crystal Palace, you know, because you know, obviously we come on the back of a uh, an international break where we always seem to be a little bit sluggish getting get, getting going. Now there's none of those now till March, so we're we're set. Now for the rest of the season, the League Cup's obviously out of the way, sadly. But um, it's um, you know we were out Kevin De Bruyne, but um, yeah, saving ourselves for for Wednesday and and, and the PSG game really. Mm-hmm. Well, what what about this um, little cameo by um, McAtee, um, uh, Barry? Because uh, there was there was um, interesting to see uh, Gary Neville's comments. He was actually gushing at, uh, at that little cameo, who's saying, "My goodness, they just come off the uh, they come off the conveyor belt at Man City." And he said that he thought that this is another uh, Guardiola clone and, and said that, um, you know, probably um, Guardiola had cloned a few uh, replicas of David Silva before he before he took off. Um, <laughs> well, what did you think of um, McAtee's uh, little cameo? Um, was, is, was he that good? Is McAtee the one that's struggling over a contract or stalling over a contract or yeah, something at the so, moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do worry a little bit because we know it's from Salford, I think, the lad, in he's, he's from Salford. So, uh, I believe, yeah, I'm right on that yeah, as, as well. Right. Think, uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is, there is a tendency to think, obviously, he's been at City a while, but obviously he's, he's, he's got United roots and obviously we've heard, I've heard rumours that uh, they've been sniffing around, haven't they? Although he's probably far too young for them. He has to be another 15 years older for United to be interested, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, so it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, and Pep put him on for, you know, for that five or six minutes at the end with the injury time as well. It's uh, He's a great player. We know we've seen him a few times, haven't we? We've seen him uh, in that Wickham game. He was, I think he played in that. He was outstanding in that one. Saw him in the friendlies before the season started. Yeah, he's got great uh, talent. But I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried about McAtee that he will actually uh, stay with us. I think it would like, like some other guys who've gone and come back uh, to other teams just across the road. I think I think he might be tempted uh, by someone else. If, if not, he's not in the UK, perhaps in uh, in Germany. You know, somewhere in Germany, something like that. But uh, yeah, he's, he is a good he is a good player. Of course, he is. But uh, I think he's got little doubts in his own mind as well he's going to get a chance in the next two or three seasons so you know I think I think he might be on his way I don't want to say it but he, he could be one of these guys that slips through the net initially whether, yeah, whether we'll he get might that. he you might follow, follow the footpath of uh, Jaden Sancho and sit on the bench yeah. for Man United but um uh, what did you think Colin? Uh, yeah I've seen McAteer a couple of times now I'm very impressed I mean this is a very good group coming through uh you know I'd be surprised if quite a few of them don't make it I'll say Tommy Doyle's gone out to the Bundesliga, and we've got obviously Cole Palmer, McAtee playing, uh, Sam Adozi looks great, um, Liam Delap uh, looks good, the, the, the fullback, uh, is it Wilson Esbrand, again, looks really promising. We've got some great youngsters coming through, and some of them look to look to be close to ready for first-team action. And, um, it, you know, if I don't know what gets into the head of some of these young players. Why would you want to go 
to somewhere where you're just not going to get the sort of uh, op- development opportunities that you're going to get a city under Pep Guardiola. I mean, um, I look at my job, you know, I, I, I work for the civil, UK Civil Service. And uh, w- one of the great things about it is I get so many um, development opportunities, both you know, personal and career development opportunities. And I'm thinking, yeah, I could probably get more money somewhere else, but why would I do that? Um, you know, because, uh, and, you know, for someone like McAtee, we've seen it with Garcia, you know, he, he fought like mad to go to Barcelona. <laughs> Where are Barcelona now? You know, um, you know what, uh, Sancho, uh, Sturridge, um, we've seen it with so many who have, who have gone away and disappeared without trace. Uh, you know, Sancho's hardly um, pulling up trees at United. And um, if, if if I were a young player, I'd be thinking of, well, you know, this is where I want to be. This is where I'm going to get the most opportunity. And certainly, maybe for a couple, you know, give it a couple of years. You know, if you don't not get anywhere in a couple of years in your early 20s, then, OK, think about moving. You know, if you haven't made that breakthrough. Um, it, it's obviously difficult to think you've got, you've got so many good players ahead of you. But you look at Phil Foden, you look at Palmer. Um, you know, Garcia had every chance. We gave Garcia every chance. He didn't want to be here. Um, you know, there's all those, those players starting coming through now. Tommy Doyle, the lap. You think, I am going to get the chance because we've got our youngsters now to that stage where they're playing. They, they know how to play the way the first team play and that they're able to do that. And I think back to Arsenal. Uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, for all the criticism of him, he was a master at getting those youngsters into a first team mentality, getting them to play the way of the first team. So, so they all those young Arsenal youngsters came through ready. They they knew what they had to do. Southampton are another club who seem to be able to do that. You know, it's the it's the equivalent. It, it's the what they call in retail the last mile, getting your goods off the lorries onto the shelves. It, it's always the most difficult bit, and that has always been the most difficult bit with young players. Is just making making that that jump from being a very good academy player, EDS player, to the first team, where, where you need a, sl- a different mentality. Uh, you know, you need to be more aggressive, I think. You, you need, you, you're going to face a better quality of player. You've got to up your game. Uh, and we seem to have conquered that. We seem to have made that leap. Uh, I think one of the problems I heard, that, that um, I heard a great interview with Jim Cassell by our friend Ian Cheeseman. And, and I think one of the criticisms that was levelled at Jim Cassell as great as he was, um, was he couldn't quite get the players ready for the first team. As good as those players were, uh, many of them went on to make good careers at other clubs. He never quite mastered the art of getting those players first team ready. I don't know what Bernard thinks about that. And say, I think we've, we've cracked it now. And anyone leaving, um, it, I think it's been a bit silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to test your test your guys' uh, memory on this one. What you were talking about some of the songs that were um, were uh, were were going on in the background there, uh, Colin. But um, I read of another one which might you mightn't have caught, and it was Alan. Alan, give us a wave. And of course, <laughs> there was a player called Alan, of course, playing for uh, Everton. Double L. Now, for 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 younger listeners, uh, uh, guys, can you just um, remind them what was the um, ironic fun in that particular song, and what what did it harken back to? Well, I don't remember. I don't remember the guy. Oh, it's European. Yeah, I can't remember the team we were playing. Oh, to be honest, yeah, but... oh, but I can't remember who it was. It's just obviously back in back in what was it 20, 2010, 2010? I don't know. Around then, I don't know when it was. There, to be honest with you, Colin, maybe you remember a bit a bit better. It was RB Salzburg, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. That Alan yeah. came on. It's a great amusement. It was a very cold <laughs> night. Uh, it's a great amusement. One of those nights when you can't feel your feet. It's a great amusement from the City fans who came up with all sorts of Alan-based yeah. songs, yeah. you know, living next door to Alan. Well, and, uh, I think that, I think that <laughs> rivaled the, the Hulk songs at the time, didn't it? That was in a quite a, a similar sort yes. of era, wasn't it, when we did that with the, yeah. the Incredible Hulk and what have you. But it was... Uh, very, very funny. Very funny. What, what sort of year would that have been, Colin? When was the Salzburg game? Um, uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I think it was, yeah, it would have been about 2009-10, I think. Uh, right. I if you hang on one second, just check my... Uh, it was definitely RB Salzburg. So. Yeah, this was a time, of course, it was quite unusual. I, even back then for City to play against teams. December 2010, so it was just uh, yeah. 11 years ago. Yeah, I, I, it's funny just the way they were tickled by that. I mean, I guess uh, it was uh, 
it was still relatively um, funny that um, a player had like like what looked like a, a Christian name on the back of his shirt as as his you know as his moniker. Uh, but Alan is not one that you would really you know you've got um, various various other ones. Um, Fernando, Roberto, all the rest of it, but Alan. I mean, it might as well have been Brian or 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 or, or yeah. Colin. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the best bit was obviously this Alan's two L's, as you said, isn't he? Uh, in 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 this one, isn't it, Mike? But obviously, it's uh, it's even better. It's just one L because that's more that's more appropriate. It's I mean, Alan, yeah, it could be your next door neighbour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny because I was in Wales uh, a few weeks ago, and um, I, I won't even try the the, the pronunciation. Um, but A double L A N is Welsh for exit or out. So every lay, every kind of lay by you stopped on the on the the the, the main road through. Um, I was going through to Anglesey to Hollyhead, and uh, they they had a lay by uh, to stop your car, and it was at the end of everyone. It had Alan out A double L A N out. <laughs> I thought, what have the Welsh Everton fans got against this guy? <laughs> Until oh, yeah. I realised. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, moving um, from that levity to something a little bit more serious, it was just in, in a couple of in the few days leading up to this game, we'd heard that um, apparently Sergio has called it quits. Um, mm. Is that is that confirmed, Char- uh, Bernard? I've, I've, I believe so. He's been advised, hasn't he? I think he's been advised to call it a day. That's the last thing I I read yesterday. I think when I was reading some pieces and articles on it, he's been, he's been told that it's probably best to call it a day. Um, Obviously, if you think about uh, is it uh, the other guy, Eric, is it Ericsson, uh, with the um, with these pacemaker things that they stick to the arts? I mean, uh, he's not got that bad yet, has it? He's not mentioned anything like that, but uh, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I, I, he must have had something there all this time. You don't, you don't just, I don't think, I'm not sure. I'm not a medical person, and I'm sure you don't just develop these things sort of uh, late on. He must have had a weakness of some sort, and it's it's just really such an odd thing, isn't it? And it's, it's such. Horrible. I mean, we were singing his name today and everything. And, you know, you want to do a little bit more for him. It's just horrible. I mean, I'm sure he'll, you know, it must be devastated. It must be devastating. I mean, we were gutted to lose him in the first place. And they didn't start very well, did it? Let's be honest about it. And this is just the, you know, just, just knocks, knocks a tip, puts a tin hat on it, this, doesn't it? Just, just actually uh, sums it all up. It's just been one minor disaster after another since, since he left us or even the last, even the last knockings of him being with us. He was, uh, he was struggling a little bit for, uh, fitness wasn't he let's be honest about it and it's just one thing after another and obviously my heart and I'm, I'm sure all blues arts go out to him and, and his family and but I'm sure I'm sure he'll be healthy and, and well but obviously what, what a sad end to, to a wonderful career yeah I, I guess though I think um, one thing that he can be um, you know satisfied with and we can too is that uh, we got to see the best of him I mean he's 32 33 probably with his physique um, he probably wouldn't have had that much more time at the very top, maybe a year or two. Um, so when um, we we definitely got to see the best of him. But yeah, from all from all reports, it seems that it's it's not you know life threatening. But it, it's not something that you would want to um, you wouldn't want to overextend your heart every week. You know, and especially with training and everything as well. So yeah, that was that was a sad one. Other other interesting things that happened uh, this week. Um, uh, Colin Savage, Oli, Oli is not at the wheel anymore. No, no, I say it's a sad moment. I mean, the campaign, um, you know, ran, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we thought we cracked it. We thought we, we got him over the line. But sadly, the, the defeat at Watford was uh, too much. Uh, yeah, um, it's, well, I, I know, they've got, I think, four points out the last 21, last 21 potential points. It, it's not. It's not good enough. I mean, only Everton and Brentford, I think, have done worse. Um, and so, so it's not come as a surprise. Uh, it's a shame, you know. It, hours of entertainment, it's it's provided for us. But um, uh, you know, I, 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 we're talking obviously talking about this at the game today and saying that um, it's almost like the United board they felt they could stomach losses to us and Liverpool, however humiliating those losses were, however bad they were, however inferior they were to those two clubs because United are the new Arsenal. You know, fourth is good enough for them. It gets them into the Champions League, gets keeps the money rolling in, keeps them relevant. Uh, but um so so, so losing to us in Liverpool, us Liverpool Chelsea probably gonna be one, two, three almost certainly. 
so, so you know, that, that leaves them free for fourth spot. And, of course, they beat Spurs. You'd expect to be in around that fifth, sixth, sniffing around the top four. So, so that that was OK, I think. That that kind of confirmed their suspicions they're probably in the right ballpark. But then losing to Watford um, and, and losing badly. Um, I watched that game. They were utterly clueless. There's no... We, we, we talked about Benitez, you know, being the ultimate manager who doesn't have a style. But United had nothing. And we've seen the criticisms time and time again on Match of the Day that players just don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know where they're supposed to be. One presses and the other drops back. Uh, you know, uh, there's no... There was one of the that second goal for Watford yesterday. Harry Maguire was just stood um, close to the byline when, when, when he should have been... 10, 12 yards further out, marking um, at Saar. Uh, and and it's just the whole thing's just completely aimed. And, and it's no surprise. But And, and I think um, he obviously hasn't got a clue what to do. The stories are he doesn't spend any time or much time on the training pitch. So he leaves that to Carrick and um, Darren Fletcher and, and this other guy, Kira McKenna. Uh, so so what, what he does do, what him and Mike Freeland do do, apart from sit there and look puzzled um, at during games. I'm not quite sure. Um, I think we said before, he sees himself, perhaps he saw himself as more of a general manager, which is a bit of a cop-out when you're a young 48-year-old coach. You should be on the training pitch. You should be, you know, imposing your philosophy. But I don't think he knew what to do. You know, he's, he's not, you know, it's his only job at the top level. Uh, you know, we, I don't think he can, yes, he's he managed Cardiff in the Premier League, but he's got them relegated. So this is the only time he's worked at the top level in the top league. Uh, and he was found very much wanting. And, and you know, I think the funny thing is they offered him a new three-year contract in July. He seemed to start the season off well. Of course, September they were mounting a title challenge and now they're looking over the shoulder at the teams behind them. And, uh, and Tottenham have just gone gone above them into seventh place. So they're now down in eighth. Uh, you know, and he's a very, you know, he, he comes out as a likeable sort of guy, a nice, likeable, there's no edge to him. Uh, so I met him once, uh, we were filling up our cars next to each other at the uh, filling station um, in Sale. Uh, you know, nice, nice, pleasant guy, ordinary down-to-earth guy. Was, but... was he on the wheel at the time? <laughs> well, he, uh, he would have been once he'd filled up with petrol, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it, we were laughing on the way home, for listening to the Radio Manchester phone-in on the way home from the match, and it's <laughs> an entitlement that, that the media has and the fans have. Uh, you know that it, it's now it, now it will be they're not going to win the title this season. It will be nine years since they challenged for the title. Nine years since they won a title. I, I think they've, they they've come second uh, a couple of times, but not really challenge. Uh, and and yeah, it's almost like uh, one of those old sixties films where you got a you know United's managerial merry-go-round is like one of those like, old sixties films where you had a very predictable cast of characters you know the 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 tart with the heart of gold and um the the naive teenager and the hardened cynic and the the macho man and and you know that the managers have all been kind of fit those cliches in many ways and and, and Solskjaer's been the the naive teenager who usually gets herself pregnant to the to the macho man and I wonder you know, where you were going with this <laughs> well let's leave that analogy there and I, I might need to develop that a little bit but <laughs> You know, it's a sense of entitlement that the media have. And, you know, there was stuff on Twitter last night when the rumours were starting coming through about the emergency board meeting. Or, uh, uh, the, you know, a few media people said, no matter who you support, this is painful to watch. And everyone was going, oh, oh, yeah, this is all that. Liverpool, West Ham, Everton, Leeds, Spurs, Chelsea fans were all piling in. City fans, of course, say, no, it's not. It's bloody hilarious. Yeah. You know, it's a club. We're watching a car crash. In slow motion, uh, but and it's been a nine-year car crash, of course, since since Ferguson left, uh, and it, it shows the ineptitude of the board that um, they haven't got a. You know, when uh, Mancini went, we had Pellegrini lined up. When Pellegrini went, we had Guardiola lined up. Uh, you know, we made these managerial changes smoothly. Spurs uh, got rid of Santo, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, uh, and Conte was lined up, and United. They've got Carrick and Fletcher in, and it's the same Carrick and Fletcher who've been doing nothing on the trip. You know, who've been turning out in training the shambles that we see at weekend, and and um, 
well, you know, what's the plan? Uh, and I say it all comes back to this. Uh, there was an interesting, I, I was out uh, earlier this morning before the game in the car uh, and listening unusually to talk sport, but I wanted to hear what they had to say. And um, they had um, Neil Custis was the guest, uh, I think Max Rushton and Barry Glendening. Um, uh, and Neil Custis, aka the Fat Slug, was was the uh, was the guest, and 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 they were saying, and they rightly said, um, United don't seem to be about winning. They don't seem to care about winning. It's all about you know the noodle deals and the tractor deals and the you know all the deals they 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 sign up, which they very proudly announce, and their 1.1 billion fans they claim, which is a completely false claim. And um, Custis said. Yeah, that's right about the Glazers. They don't care about winning. But Ed Woodward and Richard Arnold, who was the guy going to take over Ed Woodward's job, they do care passionately about winning. But uh, does anyone see that? You know, uh, you know, it's it's that whole philosophy. And you can you can see it. it's in black and white in their financial report. Is that their budget is based on uh, top four finish, which means qualifying for the Champions League and getting at least to the last sixteen of that competition. And to uh, the quarterfinals in the two domestic cup competitions. We've said this before on the pod. That is their target. And there's almost a, you know, you could say, well, that's a minimum requirement, but there's almost a suspicion, well, it's more than a suspicion, that that is good enough. Okay, you know, they get that top four, they get to the last 16, hopefully the last eight of the Champions League. And yeah, you know, that's it, box ticked. We don't care. You know, the money's in, we don't care anymore. And you think about us and Chelsea, you know, our ownership. You know, Sheikh Mansour, Khaldun, they were about winning. They want to win the Champions League. You know, even kind of, what, three titles in four seasons is not, almost seems not enough because we haven't won the Champions League. You know, four League Cups on the trot is seen as the minimum, um, almost. You look at Chelsea, who've sacked managers who've won the Champions League. Um, it, it, it's quite, a, and, and United's commitment is... Just seems to be to turn, you know, turn over those commercial deals, keep them relevant, keep them in the in the spotlight, but not win anything. Well, let's let's and, bring, uh, let's, let's bring uh, Bernard in here uh, for a bit. Bernard, it comes to something, doesn't it? When Harry uh, Harry Maguire is uh, is sent off and um, he's not available for the game against Chelsea, and apparently Chelsea have, uh, are, are are appealing the decision. <laughs> uh, um, it, it's it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, Carrick and Fletcher sounds like a nineteen seventy sitcom. And uh, for all of the money they've spent, I believe over four hundred million, they've still got like Fred and McTominay in midfield, and they they go, they go for Ronaldo and these um you know extravagant uh, luxury uh, purchases uh, with no rhyme or reason to it, and they've got a midfield that's as soft as soap. Um, what what did you make of all of this, and and what was what is uh, Solskjaer's uh, role in it? Uh, do you find him to be less culpable? Um, I'll be honest with you, I think they should go for a player manager and they've got the guy there already, haven't they? Because he earns he earns what a manager and a player would earn combined anyway, doesn't he? So you'll stick that guy, that prancing pony up front, stick him as player manager because he thinks he's the manager anyway, doesn't he? So I'd give it him. He's, it's got to be no worse than uh, Carrick and, and Fletcher, uh, those two guys, is he? Let's be honest about it. I'm, I'm dead surprised he's not he's not gone into the boardroom and said, this five-hour meeting they had, I, I, I thought a minute, bit, a minute of it was sacking him and then the other four hours 59 minutes is Ronaldo trying to chat him into putting him putting him as player manager or something I just, you know I mean he's ideal surely I mean that's what that's the way they've got to go I mean that, for me he's, he's a perfect fit for United I do believe being sensible now uh trying to be sensible anyway is uh obviously Pochettino's being lined up isn't he he's the guy that's on his, uh, but he's not going to come till till the summer either PSG might kick him out or or whatever depending whether they win the Champions League which hopefully they won't but uh, yeah I mean so it's going to be an interim manager now and then another interim manager perhaps before then to get them to Pochettino in the summer but as Colin said there's no there's no plan there's no great plan with United they just they just, they just live for today and they love it I mean it's a, it's, it's a comedy it's, it is a circus it is a circus for us all but uh, as I say I'm just surprised because as I say it's uh, even if you brought who could who could you bring in I mean 
Why didn't they do it? Why did they do it? Conte would have jumped it, surely. He would have jumped at this, surely, uh, three or four weeks ago before he took this Spurs job. He can't, I think he would have done anyway. I think he, I think he was a, an ideal replacement, and he's not. he wouldn't have been an interim replacement either, would he? He's got potential to take him that little little step further as well, you know, to make sure they do qualify for the Champions League. Whether they can win trophies is another matter. But, uh, yeah, it is It is a shame. All these, obviously, I've seen these things now about he's, he's still a legend, and um, we still love him. And of course, it would. It's like us, isn't it? Say, say we brought com- company back or something like that, and it didn't quite work out. I mean, I don't think we're daft enough to do that unless we're capable of doing the job. And that's where United fell down, isn't it? And obviously, they, they picked this guy, and he's a legend, and he will always be a legend to them, uh, and he'll always stay a legend. But uh, it, it was, it was, it was bad judgment. Bad judgment by by this this board. They've got they've got a terrible board. I mean, we are lucky, aren't we, guys? Let's be honest about it. All the crap we get from opposing fans about our owners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, hey, you know, you can't see. All right, ten years time, we might be sat here thinking, oh, where did it all go wrong? But uh, you just can't imagine it at the moment. And uh, at the moment. United just go from mess to mess and uh, yeah, interestingly enough I mean, uh, do you think, uh, I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere else uh, I don't know where, perhaps he'll go back to Cardiff or something like that, or perhaps Derby County perhaps he'll take over from Rooney there and try and lead them out into the promised land when they get relegated again, but uh, yeah it's, it's um, Say who's out there, but you know, well, just just before you just before you get into that, there was just, there was one thing that I found absolutely hilarious, and this was that Rooney was being asked about the Manchester United job. Now, instead of doing the honest thing and laugh it off as the incredible absurdity <laughs> that it was, he he, he was straight faced and go, oh, "Well, I'm committed to Derby," as if <laughs> as if in a million years that he would ever get that job. But I suppose you know the way things are, Man United. Um, uh, are going at the moment, you know, it's it's not you know it's it's not outside the bo- the the bounds of possibility. But Colin, you're you're going to run your 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 eyes over the over over the potential candidates. What do you think? Well, well, well to me, there's only only one. You know, the dream team is uh, just south of Derby, Mister Goldbridge, uh, <laughs> by Stephen Howson as his number two. Uh, <laughs> It, to me, it's blindingly obvious, but let's hope the board don't see it. But that person of colour who seems to be cropping up a lot as well at the moment, I don't know his name, that, that big lad who uh, obviously had that very famous Twitter thing where he was uh, celebrating, <laughs> he was showing, it was it was in despair, a, a miss or something, that penalty miss the other week, wasn't it? Uh, and I don't know his name, but he's he's at the front of this golden uh, golden green movement, isn't he? He's giving, he's giving the speeches, he's giving, like, like Braveheart, he's like he's like William Wallace. He was there at Old Trafford last week, in front of about twenty reprobates, giving this uh, giving this speech out. Yeah, and I think they should get him in, in as well as in the dream team as well. He should be part of it at least. Well, Colin, let's be serious for a moment. We 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 have got these people out of the job. We've got Mick McCarthy. We've got Steve Bruce. Um, <laughs> yeah, give it to Bruce until the end. You know, Bruce is technical director. <laughs> and I see Brian Robson was also. Suggesting that they should go out for a boozy bonding session, you know, <laughs> to, to get rid of all the tensions in the team. Well, I think they were on one of those yesterday lunchtime, and Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer had to drag them out the pub because they looked half cut when they were playing. Um, but you know, it, it, so, so Brian Robson, as director of nutrition, is definitely, you know, must be on their From talking seriously, what well, yeah. we. There's so many st- systemic problems at that club, from the ownership to the, you know, the, the off-field management to the coaching. Um, you know, ideally, what they need, you know, you think back to Liverpool when Shankly retired, and he was down, apparently down at Melwood around the training ground every day, offering advice, and uh, and Bob Paisley basically had to get him uh, uh, had to get him banned. You know, he was told not to turn up. You know, because his his day was over. Uh, and Liverpool were ruthless about that. He, um, he was quite upset. Uh, I think even Everton thought about offering him a seat on the board, didn't they, if I remember rightly? But, um, and, and you know, they've got a similar problem with with, with uh, Ferguson there. That You know, as much as he's done for them, his day is over. Um, and, and he should be clear of the place. Um, you know, they, they need to get a whole structure like, you know, people criticise Chicky Bagheri Stamp, but he's done some great work for us. No, we talked about the youngsters. We've now got he's the director of football. We've now got a style of play. The youngsters are co- starting to come through to get into the first team. Who have they got? Uh, 
yeah, it's as Bernard said, it's all about it's not about signing players to, to build a jigsaw, it's completely a jigsaw, it's about signing players to sell shirts. And Cavani, Varane, Ronaldo, yeah, all good players, but they've all seen the best days, you know, they're not going to make new legends for themselves at Manchester United. Uh, um, Fred McTominay is there starting midfield combination. Pogba, you know, we've seen Pogba play for France, we saw him play for, remember, uh. He killed us when he played for Juventus against us in the Champions League. You know, there's, there's a player in there, but no one's getting the best out of him. And, you know, the whole thing is shabby. It's ramshackle. It's, uh, let's hope it stays that way for a long time, mind you. But, but you know, what they need is a good young coach who's, who's achieved some success. Let's talk about Ten Hag at, at, at Ajax. Uh, you know, they could do worse than get... I know I shouldn't be saying this, should I? You know, they could do worse than get <laughs> Van der Sar and Ten Hag. But you've got to give them free reign. You've got to clear out. You've got to, you know, there's none of this signing players to sell shirts nonsense. They've got to, they, you know, they've got to be given three, four, five years to, to, to sign the players that they, that suit their, whatever system they, they come up with. You know, listening to people on the phone, the United way, the United DNA. That DNA went with Ferguson. You know, th- th- there's only been three successful managers in their history. Um, Ernest Magnol, who they got from us, um, Busby, who was a city player, uh, and um, Ferguson. And um, it, it's almost like, like all the period in between the Dave Sexton's, the Wolf McGuinnesses, the uh, <laughs> bad manager, Tommy Doherty wasn't a bad manager, but you know, the fa- you're, all the failures um, in between have been for, almost like conveniently forgotten. Um, it, everything comes down to the right, and they've forgotten this. Everything comes down to the right managerial choice, supporting the manager, giving them time, getting the right person. Uh, and they've forgotten this. They, they think somehow that that lives on after the manager. And I say long may it continue to be so because um, they've, I'm just looking at their, say, four points in the last, uh, out of the last 21. That, that's relegation form. You're talking about, you know, you're not even talking about getting to 30 points if you carry on like that. You look at their goals against, 21 goals against. Um, the, the only other two teams in the top half who come up, yeah, actually three teams in the top half come close to that, is Spurs and Arsenal, who, who we know are weak teams. The only teams who've conceded more, there's only two teams conceded more than them, and that's the two teams anchored at the bottom, Norwich and Newcastle, uh, who, who are the, the softest touches imaginable. Uh, there's a couple of others on 21, Leicester on the 21, uh, yeah, so just just Leicester on twenty one, but you know the teams that have left in twenty or more are all at the bottom, are mostly at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they've been a bit lucky actually. You know, you look at United's results; um, they've, they've been a bit lucky in some of the games. West Ham missing a penalty, um, you know, a, a few last minute goals weren't there. Um, they uh, they played Newcastle, um, you know, very early on in the season. That that was the, you know their big win. Just looking at who else. Uh, they, obviously, they had a good one at Spurs. It couldn't be Everton. You know, Everton. How 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 miserable were Everton today? They made no contribution to the game whatsoever. But Manchester United couldn't beat them. Obviously, they got taken apart by Leicester, who are in the bottom half of the table. Uh, you know, and, and they've had one or two lucky results early in the season. I mean, I think they got lucky at Wolves. They were very lucky at Southampton. Uh, obviously, they beat Leeds and Newcastle. But uh, you know. It could have been a lot worse for them. Um, well, long, you know, I've gone on about this long enough, I think. But yeah, their problems are systemic, uh, and long may they remain so. Yeah. Well, let's 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 uh, stop talking about them. But um, let's move on just to the two more items on the agenda, uh, and that is just to um, to ask uh, uh, Bernard to uh, assess uh, our two genuine uh, title rivals. So comfortable wins for uh, Chelsea and Liverpool, and uh, how do you think? Um, the balance of power uh, rests between uh, ourselves and, and those two at the minute. I, I do notice that uh, Chelsea have only conceded four goals, City only six. So Liverpool have been shipping them a bit. They're on 11, I think, they've conceded. So there is that, although they uh, both those teams have got a very impressive uh, lead on us in terms of goals scored. That's a 30-35 for Chelsea, I think, and 30 for Liverpool. We're down on, what is it, 18 or 19. So uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think of those two? Uh, uh, Bernard? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we only get to see our guys uh, on a full full time basis, don't we? And I think we can do a lot better than what we're doing at the moment. But these other Liverpool and Chelsea seems to be grinding. Certainly, Chelsea seems to be grinding out results, having some good score, good uh, scoring plenty of goals, etc. In Liverpool, but uh, yeah, I mean, the bookies have still got us as firm favourites, haven't they? Um, obviously, I'm hoping we can get through this Christmas period. Obviously, we've seen a bit of a bit of a blow losing players after the international break. Perhaps the other Chelsea and Liverpool perhaps didn't suffer, perhaps uh, that we have uh, with a couple of players. I don't think Foden was particularly 100% today. I don't know. I didn't get that feeling from him today. So, yeah, we, we've got to get through these games and um, we've got to get through Christmas, haven't we? If, if, if we're still intact and up there where we are now, what, we're second three points behind Chelsea, a point ahead of Liverpool, I'll be happy. If we get through Christmas into January in that sort of position, it'd be nice to go top and start pulling away like we did last season. Season, but uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough this season. I think uh, Liverpool keep the players fit, and, and Chelsea will just grind out results. I know. We, I know we tated them at their place, but there's no other team. A lot of teams seem to be a bit frightened of them, unfortunately, as in the frightened of Liverpool as well. So they've got that sort of little bit of uh, teams going there to Stamford Bridge or playing Chelsea a little bit more wary. Uh, so that that may work against us, but uh, yeah, it's a three horse race, guys, isn't it? I don't think anyone else is going to uh, compete, um, and obviously, it's who keeps the players fit and keeps the morale. I think I think our team morale's up, up at the moment. I think it's very very good, certainly on a par with Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, but of the three teams, I think we can improve more. I think we've got more improvement in us at the moment than perhaps those two guys have. I think they're sort of towards the best they can be, and I think we can. We can perhaps go up another two gears, perhaps uh, over the next few weeks, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's hope so. What do you think about that? Do you think that um, uh, of the three teams, uh, who who are, are most susceptible to dropping points? Uh, well, funny enough, I was talking to one of my colleagues uh, at work. Uh, he's a big Liverpool fan, and uh, we were talking about this, and uh, his view was: he said, "Well, he said." We know it. He said, you'll carry on picking up the points, but we'll get to a point maybe in, in January, February, where we'll start dropping points as, as we have done. Because I mean, they've not got the squad depth, really, have they? Um, and uh, they're still in the League Cup, aren't they? So that will um, that, that will hurt them, I think, a little bit. So, uh, I, But obviously, we know what Liverpool can do. As Bernice, a lot of sides go, go there scared of them. Uh, and if you go, you know, if you show signs of weakness at Liverpool, they will take you apart. Show as they showed against United, showed against Arsenal yesterday. They're a good team. Uh, I think Arteta made a mistake getting the crowd, get the Liverpool crowd fired up. But they, you know, they're a good team. They have their, you know, they have their way of way of playing. It works very well for them. But you know, at some point, when the, when the game starts piling up thick and fast, and and the legs start getting a bit tired. Um, Hopefully they will drop points. Chelsea look the danger. They're not the most exciting side, but they're they're, they're grinding out results. And um, they'll, they'll, the game at our place will be um, a key one. You know, may even be a type of decider. But um, you know, I, I'm still confident. Even even we're, we're in a, bit of a strange one. There are times when we're playing very very well indeed. There are times when you know the first half today where we were we were fine. We were pretty good, but we didn't have much. In front of us, uh, and and some of the players weren't quite, uh, you know, weren't quite up to the standard we expect. But I said Wednesday is obviously a different sort of test. And, uh, West Ham next week will be an interesting test, and um, we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I, I'm confident we'll go all the way, but uh, yeah, Chelsea will be more than Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, final thing, uh, final point, uh, just before we finish the pod, is to talk about the next game. It's against PSG in the Champions League. Uh, Bernard, um, how important is it? What's riding on this game? How important is it that we win it? Well, I want to smack. I want to smack them, to be honest with you. I want to well, but you know, I want to stuff them, to be honest with you. I thought we we should have done better at their place. We did thought we should have beat them at their place, and I want to sort of rub the noses in it, to be honest with you. And I think the team that played today, I think there'll be three or four changes at least to that. Uh, we could see part of Pep's uh, thinking today. And the guys who did play got a bit of a rest today as well. I don't think we had to work that hard. I mean, obviously, Bernardo did. He'd run around like a scalded cat, as he usually does. But uh, uh, Everton were very kind to us today. They didn't push us too much. Uh, might have kicked us a couple of times, perhaps not 
too much. So, yeah, I, I want to win this, mate. I do, I do want to win this. A draw isn't a disaster, of course. It's not, uh, you know, with, with one game left each after that. But, uh, yeah, I just want to smack them, mate. I just I just want, uh, you know, to, to rub Messi and Mbappe and the other guy up front that I don't, uh, you know, uh, what's it, Neymar, right. is it? Yeah, I just, I just want to I just want to beat them. I, I, I just want to, even if it's only 2-1, I don't care. But I'd, I'd love a 3 or 4-0 because they don't travel well, do they? I don't think PSG. They never, they never usually travel that well. They've not done overly well at the other two grounds they've been to, Brugge and uh, Leipzig. So, yeah, I, w- I want to pan them. I want, I want to give them a, go- a good a good rollicking. But obviously, Pep might be thinking about West Ham as well. You know, mate, that's a big game. That's a big game this week. So I, I do worry just a little bit that, uh, again, he might he might uh, make a couple of little changes to what we think, or, or his strongest team. Uh, I'm not too worried about KDB not being there. As, as long as Gundogan does his stuff, we'll, we'll be all right. I think Gundogan's got improvement in him. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to pan these guys. I want, I want, to, I want to get them stuffed and win and clinch that title. Mm-hmm. You look at the tables, Mike. Um, a, a draw is OK, as long as we win in Leipzig. A win is uh, gives us first place, I think. Guarantees us first place, whatever happens in, in Leipzig. If you look at the teams in second place at the moment, and it may not be the teams that finish in second place, in, in Group B, because these are the teams, if we win the group, these are the teams we could meet. Uh, FC Porto or Atletico Madrid in, in Group B. Uh, Dortmund or Sporting Lisbon in Group C. Uh, Inter or Sheriff Tiraspol in in um, Group D look like the, the likely second place. Barcelona probably in Group E or maybe Benfica if Barcelona slip up. Well, you know, Barcelona aren't uh, aren't the um, uh, force they were that they once were. In United's group, actually, it's very interesting because that's a close group. Uh, United and Villarreal on seven each. Atalanta on five. If Atalanta beat Young Boys. And um, United and uh, Villarreal draw, then they'll all be on eight points going into the last game. So, yeah, but we, we can't draw Manchester United if they're in second place. But if, if one of Villarreal or Atalanta are, we, we, we could get one of those. Uh, Lille or Wolfsburg in, in Group G look, look the most likely for second place. Chelsea, it will be Chelsea in Group H. We can't get them. Um, so, you know, winning the group. Uh, the only team you look at in that is is potentially Atletico that that might cause you a, a bit of a problem. They're not quite what they were, um, but you know, winning the group gives us a great chance to get to the um, you know get get a relatively easy draw in the last sixteen and get to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, here's hoping it goes well for us. Um, uh, we I just noticed that um, uh, Antonio Conte has got his first points. That's a two-one win for Tottenham. Uh, so they uh, push United down into eighth, and uh, that's just something that has, has just flashed up on my screen. So that that's uh, another uh, interesting thing into the mix. I think we'll probably uh, cap it off here, guys. I think we've we've we've, we've kind of gone through pretty much most of uh, what we wanted to talk about. But uh, we will we will be back with you again after the uh, the Champions uh, League game. Here's hoping it's a thumping win as uh, as as Bernard wants. Let's um, give him his heart's desire. So um, I think we'll just uh, stop there and uh, have a few uh, final thoughts before we bring this one to a conclusion. Final thoughts, Bernard? Yeah, I'm looking forward to Wednesday. I don't, I'm, it's a sellout, I assume, isn't it, on uh, on on Wednesday? And uh, as far as Conte's concerned, obviously that that uh, Oli might have done this. He might have helped to Old Trafford. Obviously, obviously st- took the sources away, didn't he? he took all the sources away from the um, dining area. Not allowed to use sauce on anything now. So obviously, pr- perhaps the ketchup and the tomato sauce and brown sauce and whatever Worcester sauce, whatever they use down south. You know what I mean? They don't don't do things like us, do they? So perhaps Oli could have. Ollie could have sort of picked up a few tips from uh, Conte, but it's a bit late now, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the PSG game, and I am looking forward to the West Ham game as well. That, that should be an interesting one as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Final thoughts, Colin? Uh, no, like Bernard, looking forward to the PSG game on Wednesday. You know, um, I was a bit worried about today's game after the Crystal Palace Southampton results, but we, you know, we're back on track. Uh, so it was a relatively easy run out. Uh, a win on uh, Wednesday night. Gives us uh, the group title, um, uh, and West Ham should be much more uh, uh, should be much tougher opposition on um, next Sunday. So yeah, and, and uh, of course we've got the um, we've got the chance to see how um, the, the new interim caretaker, um, <laughs> whatever he is, um, gets on on Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on, Colin. 
Yeah, it's always great. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Bernard. Fantastic. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, guys, we'll leave it there. We realise there's been a ratio toll in this pod, but I think we managed quite well without him. It's quite nice, just for once. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, guys, we'll leave it there and we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, have one on us and up the blues. <laughs>